This Radio Days Africa audio amplified podcast is brought to you by the Vits Radio Academy. For more content and information, click to radiodaysafrica.co.za. Three, two, one. This is Radio Days Africa 2021 audio amplified. Download the Radio Days Africa app. Search Radio Days Africa in your app store. Good morning and welcome to the closing panel of Radio Days Africa 2021. We've heard from some great speakers over the last two weeks talking about radio across Africa. And now it's time to look at the future of radio and audio. I'm James Cridland, the radio futurologist, and I am literally talking from the future. Well, a few hours in the future anyway, from Turbul and Jagera country in Brisbane in Australia. And I'd first like to pay my respects to the traditional owners of this land and their elders past, present and emerging. We have a fantastic panel today, so let's meet them. Justin Keats is Sales Director of Media Heads 360 in Joburg. Media Heads 360 works with brands to make them stand out, people like McDonald's, Celsi and Woolworths. Uh, Justin, Media Heads 360 works cross-media, don't you? Radio, TV, digital as well. Are clients still wanting to buy radio or do you need to convince them to include radio in that media mix? I think there's always going to be a demand for radio. Um, obviously, the appeal of radio is that it, it has certain characteristics that the other mediums don't offer. Um, but in general, um, we see budget swing from radio to TV to digital. Um, you know, there's obviously fatigue in certain mediums. But uh, the general approach is really because media is so fragmented these days, um, brands are looking to immerse themselves fully the 360 approach. So, yep, radio still continues to be strong in terms of a selection of media. Good to hear. You've, you've worked in radio for 15 years. Um, what, what sort of changes have you seen uh, from clients in how they treat radio during that time? Well, I think certainly um, uh, in terms of, of radio, it's becoming more and more scientific. It's always about return on investment at the end of the day. Um, but we do feel that um, uh, there is a shift towards content marketing um, where there's a win between um, the radio station producing content, the client embedded into the content, and the listeners engaging with that content. So there's definitely been quite a shift uh, in terms of uh, not speaking at um, your listeners, but actually engaging with them. Uh, it's interesting to hear and also interesting to hear around uh, the data and the return on, on investment, which we'll come back to uh, in a minute. Uh, also in Joburg, Mohamed Kaji is Chief Digital Officer of Prime Media, which operates a number of great radio stations in Joburg and Cape Town and Eyewitness News as well. Mohamed's led a number of strategic projects, including working with Al Jazeera in Doha and AJ Plus in San Francisco. Mohamed, you joined Prime Media in March. Why? Prime Media, what was the attraction in moving there? I think Prime Media has been one of the leaders in the South African media industry. Um, and, you know, my earliest memory of Prime Media was 702, and I think many others, many other South Africans kind of remember 702 being the, um, the radio station that's on in the car while you're driving down to, you know, any kind of local um, destination with your family or whatever, you know, especially with my dad and, you know, regular conversations about whether it was uh, talk radio or music that was kind of being listened to. But anyways, that's my earliest memory of, of Prime Media broadcasting, really. Um, and I think that Prime Media has been a leader in the South African media industry for, for, for the, the decades since the 80s, and it's literally been decades. So, um, you know, the opportunities in terms of the depth of the brands and the scale of, of Prime Media's kind of reach uh, was a huge attraction in terms of having a massive to be able to work on for all the digital strategies and the digital opportunities um, that you have in South Africa. It's incredibly difficult to try to build things off a zero base, but when you have the foundations already in place, it's really kind of more of a... Um, a kind of, you know, strategy implementation 
rather than you know first principle mm. and um, and startup kind of mode. So that's that's really the attraction in joining Prime Media Broadcasting. So when you moved home to Joburg after a number of years working abroad, how does radio and audio in South Africa compare to radio elsewhere in your view? Um, I, you know, I think the reality in South Africa is we tend to be a couple of years behind the rest of the world on specific things. Um, and that gives us the ability to kind of have some level of hindsight in terms of what's happened, what's worked, what, you know, the, the kind of developments are all over the world. Um, I think that the, the uh, experience in working in, you know, broadcast television or satellite broadcasting and then also working in terms of, uh, you know, conceptualizing AJ Plus and how AJ Plus would work on a purely kind of digital medium makes it incredibly exciting because in South Africa we can now, you know, combine those two worlds of, uh, of radio as well as digital uh, and create some new exciting things for the South African market. Thank you, Mohammed. Uh, from Kenya, uh, Similoy Dajam is a media expert. I'm very pleased that we've got a media expert on the panel and a talent trainer. Uh, you've been in radio and TV for 18 years and you're currently Chief Content and Strategy Officer for the radio stations of MediaMax Network in uh, Kenya. You've worked, Similoy, for 20 of the top radio stations in Kenya. So um, how healthy is the radio market there? Um. Well, thank you. Well, first, a brief uh, correction. Uh, I am now more into uh, strategy, media strategy and training, and I've transitioned from uh, MediaMax. But uh-huh. in terms Apologies. of... Yeah, thank you. Uh, in terms of the environment, the media environment in Kenya, I think it is one of the fastest evolving um, landscape, especially from the radio perspective. Uh, because if you look at the media landscape about 15 years ago and now, it, you cannot even compare. Because, um, of course, it started with the national broadcaster and uh, a lot of the international broadcasters with the VOAs, BBCs um, running the show then. And then we had the national broadcaster, which is KBC, and then the other national stations uh, that came in. But now in the last 15 years, we have seen an explosion of uh, vernacular uh, radio stations, which was not anticipated. And this has opened up new opportunities that the market did not uh, recognize because uh, we have seen that it is meeting a need that nobody knew was being unmet. So speaking to the people's hearts beyond speaking just to their minds. And um, if you look, for example, at the top 10 radio stations in Kenya today, it literally shows you how the environment and the shift uh, has been. over half of the top 10 stations are mass national and the remaining ones are vernacular. So that tells you that the shift has been really, really drastic. And even from a consumption and um, client perspective, they wouldn't consider investing in a vernacular station before, but right now, because of the ROI that my my uh, fellow panelists talk, uh, talked about, mm. they're starting to see the ROI is in the audience. And the audience is following the content. So uh, that has been a a huge, huge shift. And uh, we are seeing it even getting better and better and bigger as we go ahead. Now, you're you're a radio talent trainer, Similoy. How many people do you reckon you've trained by now? And what's the best tip that you tell people? Wow, I I haven't kept count, but uh, an upwards of uh, 300 because... uh, part of uh, my core programming and uh, managing talent, I believe uh, training is so, so critical. First, it is because of how most people enter into media. Uh, In a traditional setup, you'd have to be trained in media, uh, be a journalist or media expert. But as the market shifts and as the audience, audience shifts, you start realizing more and more people who have talent who may not necessarily have gone to media school. So as a programmer as a, and as a talent leader, my responsibility is to bring them all at par because there are certain expectations we all have of them. We expect them to have ethics. We expect them to stay creative, to stay interesting. And the school of thoughts and training are very, very different. So I use training first as a, in addition to just building capacity, it's just to raise their capacity so that they're all able to speak from the same plane. Now, during the training, my bottom line is you're as good as your last content. 
Like literally, it doesn't matter how many views you had yesterday. It doesn't matter how many listeners you had yesterday. That's past news. It's absolutely no longer news. And uh, the other thing that I'm very, very particular about is uh, being... Uh, we may have lost Similoy just for a second. Um, so let's open this up uh, in terms of uh, the rest of the panel. You can also ask questions too. And I hope that we get some of those in the Q&A uh, chat uh, here at uh, Radio Days Africa. Just open the chat box and um, see what you can uh, find there. Um, and we will uh, talk a little bit about uh, people in a minute as well, which I'm really looking uh, forward to. Um, you can also see the Twitter and the uh, hashtag uh, on the screen as well. Let's um, open this up and start talking about where radio is going. And I think one of the strong points, Justin, about radio is that radio is live. But most of the media that we consume these days isn't live anymore. It's podcasts or it's streaming media or it's TikTok or it's all that kind of thing. How important, Justin, do you think live is to radio's future? I think there's always going to be a demand for for live radio. I mean, particularly, um, you know, the news flow. News is a very important anchor to live as well as sports. And... Um, you know, I think there's some, there's certainly uh, um, an authenticity about live, um, which you know, when we go into deep fake news and that sort of a thing, it's very hard to to put out, especially in some of the visual elements that flow through live streaming along with radio, um, to to not see that authenticity, uh, and we get lightning in a bottle moments uh, with live, um, and I think that's what really gets people excited. Do, do clients find that important too? Do clients see that as being one of the big differences between radio and other media? Sure. I, I think that in terms of radio, it, it does uh, simply because of the way that we go about our business and producing radio. Um, it allows us to have more of those live moments. Um, media heads invested probably uh, six, seven years ago in um, technology, mobile broadcast technology which basically allows people uh, or, or DJs or presenters to move out of the studio on the grounds, um, moving from point A to point B uh, and interacting with the audiences. So, you know, I think what, what clients are looking for is authenticity. They're looking for connective, uh, connectiveness, uh, so to be connected to an audience. Um, and I think that's, that's an attraction um, that works. Mm. Similar, you, you're, you're back again. I'm wondering whether live radio is very different from doing podcasts or on-demand audio. It just feels different knowing that you can stop and you can edit, right, if you're, if you're a talent behind the mic. Uh, yes, can you there is a huge... Yeah. Yes, I can hear you now. Uh, there is a huge difference. Um, first, because of the uh, the mode of production, live radio, of course, is more spontaneous. You're able to engage live. You're able to get feedback. Um, and the engagement, of course, is much richer. When it comes to podcast, um, in, in our current environment in Kenya, in <clears throat> Africa, I think pre-recorded content is more popular than podcast content uh, because the responsibility of recording, packaging, and um, airing lies with the media house because you have a population that doesn't have a lot of access to these gadgets. You know uh, mm. what we're talking about, um, uh, AI, external speakers, and things like that. They're, they're not easily available. So the stations, the radio stations have taken that responsibility. And then you'll have as curated shows, basically, which now form part of the content that can be content on demand. However, live radio remains more popular, again, for, for certain very quirky reasons uh, in Kenya, because uh, uh, people like to hear themselves on air. They literally call live, and if they the call and think they call the wrong station. So content and on demand will take time to catch up. Also, because of the cost of production of content on demand, most of it comes on as a subscription uh, service. Uh, pay in future, if those barriers of the cost of data 
the cost of producing content, once those barriers continue coming down, then that will be able to break into that space. However, currently, uh, live radio uh, still remains to be key. Yeah, and it's certainly something that I keep on hearing time and time again, that the cost of data, particularly in Africa, is something which is uh, really hobbling the industry. Uh, Mohammed, where does Prime Media see the future of audio going? Are you building more on-demand experiences or is live the most important thing for you? Yeah, absolutely. We see radio having a glorious future. Um, we don't see radio going anywhere anytime soon. You know, if you look at the numbers in South Africa, I think um, you still have around 30 million people listening to radio in some form. Um, so, you know, audio on demand is obviously increasing. You're seeing a podcast explosion. Uh, but really, we're talking about the device changing in terms of where you're kind of receiving. You know, if you go to the origins of radio, really, they were called receivers originally, right? And, and that's really what a mobile phone is now. A mobile phone is a receiver of any kind of transmission that anybody wants to put out, whether it's an app, whether it's a, you know, a live stream, whether it's, you know, content in any kind of way or form, it's not really a telephone, it's actually a receiver that we all have, you know, compared to people walking around with Walkmans in the, in the 80s or the 90s, or, you know, uh, CD players, I can see Simoloi uh, kind of uh, smiling there because, you know, I don't think we've thought of Walkmans for a long time, but really, you know, that's what a cell phone has become. You know, it's become a personal transmission device. So, you know, live has a, have, has a, has a huge place. The device that live is being watched on uh, or listened on, you know, televisions become a device to listen and you see much longer listen times on televisions, even though it's an audio broadcaster, an audio live stream, you know, interchangeably mm. using those terms. Tablets and laptops also have that kind of user behavior. Um, if you go to the mobiles, then you start seeing a higher kind of demand for the, you know, audio on demand or the podcasting. It's more immersive. You have your earphones in your in your ears and a much more kind of attention, kind of closer attention being paid towards the audio that that those those listeners are are listening to. So. So it's really a case of saying that, you know, live's not really going anywhere. Uh, uh, live broadcasting isn't going anywhere. I think the numbers are going to remain healthy for the foreseeable future. It's just a case of us as, you know, broadcasters and prime media broadcasting in particular, looking at ways that we can, you know, service the changing needs of our audiences or the mm. changing kind of uh, devices that our audiences are listening to us on. Uh, and providing a broader spectrum of, you know, thematic, episodic, uh, different genre content that they can they can choose to do rather than us kind of imposing on them what it is that they should be listening to. I mean, you've got a bunch of podcasts on uh, the various websites that you run. And they're mostly catch-up radio, but there's some client-led content in there as well. Um, do you see podcasts as being sort of part of, of, of the future of what you're producing? Uh, or will live radio still always be the most important thing for you? I think live radio would be a key component of what we're doing. Live radio is important because of the personality and the kind of relationship that you have with your audiences. Uh, I think you lose that when you start going towards the more kind of... Um, you know, snippety, podcasty kind of pre-produced content. Um, that that personality and that human connection and that relationship with your listeners is very important. And you know, similarly, was alluding to that people wanting to phone in to listen to their voices on air to be you know kind of engaging with the personalities that you have in radio. And you know, there is a loyalty that's built towards brands, but there's also a loyalty that's built towards hosts that people have listened to for years and years and years on talk radio or on um, on the musics, you know. So, yeah, look, the mistake that many broadcasters make is they think that catch-up radio is audio on demand, you know. And uh, that's one area that we kind of heavily investing in to start looking at ways that we can, you know, look at pre-produced audio and see where pre-produced audio can also be you know, appearing as episodic and thematic audio content that can be consumed on demand, but also looking at 
you know, digital only audio content that might not appear on terrestrial or be broadcast on terrestrial, but also be able to be consumed on these new receivers that we have called, you know, smartphones. Mm. Mm. Justin, do you see uh, podcasts as being a threat to radio? No, uh, <clears throat> I think there's a, um, uh, since the early days of, um, in the early 2000s, I've been working on audio demand and podcasts. It's not a new technology. I think it's been around for some time. Um, but what it does do is it, it adds reach and enhances um, how deep you can go into a conversation or communication. Um, so for me, you know, all of these wonderful moments that we're having in live radio um, are now uh, finding their, their, their life extended um, in a digital sense. Podcasts is one of those flavors of extension of content. And as you know, everything is SEO uh, search engine optimized these days. Um, so it's building a, a wonderful resource. Um, and interestingly enough, that is the resource that artificial intelligence is starting to plug into to rebuild things. Um, I was actually reading this morning about a, a film that was being produced uh, for Anthony Bourdain. And... Um, he had passed away and they actually wanted to include his voice in reading out an email to a friend and through AI and 10 hours of audio that they had recorded, they were able to record it, uh, re-record and, and produce his voice in a certain script in the movie film, um, mm. which is fantastic. In, in other news also, I saw that there was a, a Rembrandt that had been destroyed, edges cut off um, of it 300 years ago. And AI technology has been able to recreate what was cut off 300 years ago so we can get a look at it. So much the same, we're building a repository of, of uh, wonderful moments on air um, and they are available on demand as a resource. Um, there are lots of great uh, questions coming in on the chat. Thank you, Deborah, for yours. We'll get around to that in, in a second, but uh, do um, add more questions in the chat if you uh, wish. You'll find it at the uh, bottom of the uh, screen. It's also very nice to hear another dog uh, on Radio Days Africa. I think that makes three uh, for, for this uh, fortnight. Um, Similoy, uh, here in Australia, a quarter of all Australians own one of these, uh, a little smart speaker. Um, a third of all Americans apparently own one of these things too. Um, I know that smart speakers are slower to catch on, but do you think that they will eventually replace radio receivers or where do you see radio and radio receivers and smart speakers actually going? Uh, I don't think they will replace uh, radio receivers in Kenya or in Africa at all. But where I think uh, the opportunity lies is in the integration of the strengths of the two because radio has the highest penetration uh, currently because it's an easy medium, it's affordable, and it's passive listening. Uh, just the same way when TV came on during newspapers, uh, even during uh, the other listening devices, they did not take away from radio. So radio has an intrinsic uh, loyalty because of um, uh, its the strengths that I have mentioned. But now when you come to the, the external uh, speakers that you're talking about, of course, there's a cost barrier. Secondly, there's an additional barrier of uh, you have to use data. So uh, mobile is actually uh, the device that most stations and most programmers need to look at beyond the devices because it combines the strengths of what you're holding and the radio and the content. And what people are interested in, in my understanding, is they really don't care much about the mode of distribution. They just want good content. So the opportunity lies in the stations that will gather the content, put it together, and present it in the most of, uh, uh, affordable and consistent manner. Whether it is um, on TV or it is on radio or it is on online. As long as it is affordable and it is relatable and it is consistent, they will go there. But the future of radio is um, is, is guaranteed, in my opinion, uh, because it ha it already has um, it's it's already has a very strong following currently because it is meeting the current needs. The second thing is um, uh, the the loyalty of radio is because it is 
<clears throat> it is not just perceived, but it is taken as the voice of the voiceless. With the device, I cannot engage. I cannot uh, send feedback. I cannot share my thoughts. I cannot um, uh, call out an injustice. I cannot send greetings, all those things. So uh, I think the consumption of media in Kenya and uh, in Africa as well is very much driven by engagement and solutions. So, uh, and people are no longer coming, for example, um, uh, the device, I can play music, but I find it is also very targeted to the, uh, to the higher LSMs, to the middle class, those that can afford, and those already have other alternatives of getting the information. They already have, they can afford TV, they can afford external devices. So radio for me is the equalizer at whatever spectrum of life you're in it provides a solution and that is the security of radio i i couldn't agree more and i think uh, you're you're absolutely right radio broadcasters making their content available on as many platforms as possible is hugely important mohammed uh, mm -hmm. prime media stations are online they're on dstv as well as um uh, i was going to say am and fm but i discover when i uh, was tuning into 702 this morning it isn't on 702 anymore uh, which is very confusing um how do you think people will consume live radio as we move forward will it still be FM radio or will it be other platforms as well? Definitely other platforms. Um, you know, yeah, 702 is on FM now, but we've kept the brand and Cape Talk <laughs> on AM uh, in, in Cape Town. Uh, but yeah, look, the, the multiple device strategy is the correct strategy, right? It's a case of going to where audiences are rather than trying to impose on audiences to come to you. You know, you have to kind of slip into their lives, you know, and be as seamless as possible in terms of being able to give them access to you while they enjoying their life, you know. So if they, you know, in a in a taxi going to work and they're listening to you using their mobile phone, then great. You know, if they're at home and they walk in and they want to listen to you on their smart uh, TV, then, you know, you don't even have to uh, be on one single place on the smart TV being your own smart TV app. But you know, whatever app they choose to use for their audio or whatever, you know, uh, a medium or, or, or distribution mechanism, whether it's DSTV or, you know, the YouTube app or the Prime Media app or the different stations app, 947 or KFM, et cetera, et cetera, then, you know, that's really what the strategy uh, should be, you know, in terms of being accessible on multiple uh, devices and multiple platforms at the same time. And that's really where where we're heading, you know, um, in terms of our own uh, distribution and, and broadcasting strategies on the Prime Media side. If you were launching a brand new radio station today, would you call it after the AM frequency or, or would you call it something else? Um, you know, I, I don't think you're going to start calling new radio stations, you know, radio, like whatever the name is, FM or whatever the name is, AM. Yeah. Or the frequencies i think the way we're heading is that you know you're going to launch digital first kind of uh streaming stations and then kind of name them with cool gen z kind of names so that people can you know identify with them and you can build that relationship and that trust mm. and that um you know association with it I, I just want to come back to something that justin spoke about which was that authenticity right and i think that that authenticity is incredibly important in terms of the relevance for uh, for media brands and media companies and the personalities, because you know really what people also look for is for the trust factor in terms of the information that they're getting being correct and having been curated in some way. You know we're having some uh, serious kind of uh, incidents in South Africa at the moment, and people are going to brands that they trust and media companies that they trust to be able to filter the information and analyze the information to understand what's really happening. Um, and that's an incredibly important reason for the existence of, you know, uh, media companies uh, that are able to provide the, the, you know, the proper picture of what's happening on the news and current affairs side, but also be able to provide for the different elements of people's lives whether it's, you know, their, their needs for music and entertainment and so on.
Justin, uh, you, you you were talking about ROI earlier. Online obviously gives better targeting opportunities for people. You can serve different ads to people depending on where they are, or whether they're a boy or a girl, or you know all kinds of other information as well. Are the media companies you're working with um, giving you those sorts of targeting opportunities, and how important is that anyway? I think I think it's incredibly important. Um, there's, there's a shift from just branded content to content marketing. Um, and as we advance into the 360 approach, um, there's different measures. Um, and we are becoming more measurable. I mean, in terms of Google, one of the big things in media for the future is uh, Google have obviously changed and moved away from cookies and moved to Flock, uh, which is federated learning of cohorts. Uh, and you may be asking, you know, what, what is that? But essentially, um, what they are doing is, and it's something that um, the hacking world have actually done for a very long time, is they actually are able to fingerprint people based on um, certain information shared between your browser over the internet, as well as what applications are installed, where you're connecting from, etc. So... I think that's this measurement thing is going to be a very big thing into the future. Um, it, it, although it doesn't focus on on a cookie as in a personalized uh, number that's stored um, on computer-based systems, um, they're more targeting behavioral um, uh, activities of of people in the media space. Uh, yeah, and that opens up a whole can of worms <laughs> around, yeah. you know. How, how deep is that level? So, yeah, those tools are being created. I mean, there's always going to be a need for uh, research in the market. So in terms of doing efficacy, uh, to actually interview people, uh, survey people, um, and, and gain insight there. But I think as we move on, AI is able to, uh, to crunch huge amounts of data and pull out um, amazing insights. Um, so it's going to become more and more more important as we move forward. Mohammed, I was listening to Bongani Bingwa on 702 this morning online, and I, w I was able to listen without registration, without giving any details apart from just my location. Um, so in case you're wondering who that listener from Brisbane was this morning, it was me. Um, what do you think of the idea of registration for apps and websites? Is data like that going to be more important as we go forward? Uh, definitely. Uh, clients and advertisers are looking for data to be able to identify who's listening and to be able to kind of uh, target as, you know, closely as possible the, you know, the consumers that match their brands and that match their, their you know, target market. So, you know, data is uh, much, much more important to the monetization of, of digital. And as we know, the monetization of digital is incredibly difficult because you need like a huge amount of reach to be able to, you know, uh, generate the revenues with that, what I call the passive income, you know, your, your programmatic kind of display ads and all that kind of stuff, or the, or the in-rolls and the, and the mid-rolls and that kind of stuff. So, you know, data is absolutely critical, but, you know, consumers don't want that barrier. They don't want that barrier of wanting to sign in every time or the barrier of needing to give away all of this information about themselves to give access. So it's really a case of finding the balance, you know, with, um, with traditional broadcasting radio, you didn't have that, you know, you had to go do your own research and insights to go understand who your audience was and who's kind of listening to you and be able to provide that to your clients to say, look, we've done this research and this is who's listening and this is the amount of people and so on. So yeah, that data is critical. It's critical for the kind of, you know, targeted campaigns and so on. But it also becomes a barrier to people wanting to, to come in and, and, you know, just like pop in for a couple of minutes or 10 minutes or half an hour without needing to sign up and give away, you know, all their information before they can have access to you. Yeah, indeed. Uh, let's um, have a look at uh, one of the questions which has come in on the, on the chat. Um, and Similoy, I think this is for you. Radio presenters 20 years ago had to play music and talk on the radio. That was their job. That's all that they ended up doing. Um, Deborah asks, um, are, uh, what are people in audio organizations doing 
as we move away from being traditional broadcasters to multi-platform offerings with lots of digital stuff. Um, now a radio presenter has to do social media and videos and podcasting and audio. Does the way, Similoy, that we train people, does the way that, uh, that we do uh, train our talents need to change? I lost you there for a moment. Uh, just repeat the last sentence, please. Yeah, so I'm just asking whether the way that we train people now needs to change, bearing in mind that they aren't doing the same job as they were 20 years or so ago. Yes, absolutely. I think multi-skilled and multi-talented is lack of one trait. In fact, in media now, you're expected to be a master of all. You have to master social media and digital both content creation and presentation. You have to master uh, traditional content. You have to learn to do your own research and to prep. Uh, presentation is not just about, of course, putting the microphone on and talking. You have to be able to understand the basics of data analytics when you get your data, just to be able to break it down. And so yes, even as the media, uh, on the talent that is uh, coming on board is evolving with it, at least the one that is still competitive. Because um, the opportunity daily lies in the talent that can evolve the most and the fastest, who can stay relevant. So even in training, um, we really, really emphasize that. And you find it is not even a, a question of age anymore. You'll find uh, people who've been in the industry, presenters who've been in the industry over 40 years, who still keep themselves relevant because they're able to, to plug directly into the needs of, of the audience. So absolutely, the requirements are no longer just going on air, putting your mic on and speaking. It is, and that portfolio will continue growing. It will continue level of uh, uh, advertising and marketing uh, skill. And that, I think the more multi-talented uh, a talent is, the more multi-skilled, the more valuable you are. Justin, the same question to you in terms of salespeople and media buyers. If if you're buying media for brands these days, is it more complicated than before? And what can we as radio stations be doing to help you and them? Um, I think uh, just in terms of the, the previous, I just wanted to add to the, mm. the comment in terms of, of training. Um it's interesting, yes. I think it is getting more complex for presenters and talent to have more of a 360 set of skills in order to, to entertain, engage, um, and be relevant. Um, but I think AI is going to bring that back full circle. Um, I was reading um, just this week that Google is obviously launching an artificial intelligence academy for small newsrooms. And that kicks off within... September this year. And I think mm. one of the big things about that is, you know, how do you enhance what you're putting, what you're creating? And how do you use AI to, to enhance what you're doing, not take away from your talent? Um, you know, can it cut down the amount of time that it takes to produce something, to gather information, to engage and see where your audience is going, where the topics are flowing? So I, I think that that's, that's definitely um, something to, to have a look at and consider. Um, in terms of um, learning about um, numbers and stats, and you know, I think the whole ecosystem is actually being connected now. So it's full loop. When we talk about return on investment, um, we know that uh, some of our clients that move um, uh, retail environment products off the shelf, they literally have a count every day of what's moved off the shelf. Um, some of the fast food um, clients can tell you exactly, you know, how many of versions of this burger uh, were consumed on this day uh, with which soft drink. Um, and, you know, so it's become very scientific. And I find a lot of the marketing tools um, are, are, are focused on engagement and measurement and, and turn full circle. And that's where AI will come more into the future in terms of optimizing you know, some of those programmatic bars or some of that advertising now. I was talking to somebody that uh, works for Tesco in the UK, which is a big um, uh, supermarket there, and they were using the uh, their club card, their loyalty scheme. Um, they knew what newspapers people were buying, 
uh, and they were then able to see when uh, Haagen-Dazs ice cream advertised in the newspaper that they knew someone was buying, they were able to see whether or not that increased um, uh, sales of the, of the ice cream. And you're there thinking, you know, it's, it's astonishing. They probably know more about um, how well the advertising is working than the ice cream manufacturer for themselves. You know, it's the most, it, it's the most amazing thing. I'm, and I'm sure that you're seeing that, that, uh, that uh, sort of thing as well with uh, some of your clients. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and you're right, it's on behaviorable. So we're looking at people's mm. behaviors. I think the, the measurement has shifted away from, you know, the person to rather let's look at behaviors um, and, and let's see where the opportunities sit there. Um, but also, I think what's also compounding this um, is that, you know, some of the advertisers um, and marketers within our country, are they have a, a global uh, it's a global market now. So, you know, some of these resources, wherever they pop up around the world, um, mm. are available instantly um, through this global market, um, you know, that COVID has kind of sort of fast forwarded for all of us. So, yeah, those talents and, and, and vice versa, a lot of that talent can be exported out of our countries into the rest of the world. So we're playing in a global market and those tools are all available at a click of a mouse or a tap Indeed. of a touchpad. Oh. Or a, or a tap of a touch screen. Talking about a tap of a touch screen, uh, I've got a message here. I think somebody's got a question for you, Mohammed. Uh, hey, Google, would you like to ask anything? Yes, thank you, James. I do. This is a question for Muhammad. Hello, Muhammad. I am your Google Assistant. Artificial voices sound quite good now. When will I get a show on the radio? I would be very good at reading the traffic news. <laughs> nice one, James. Nice one. <laughs> I, I think it just comes back to that uh, personality discussion, right? Like, and and like Justin was speaking about uh, the kind of synthetic voices or the ability to take human voices um, and and you know replicate them. I read about a BBC uh, BBC host who lost his voice for a while and the same thing, right? Being able mm. to replicate the voice using uh, artificial in intelligence. I think, you know, we've we've gotten so used to listening to, you know, Google Assistant or Siri that I think if, you know, she starts doing the traffic, we wouldn't actually uh, think twice about it because we listen to it all the time on our, our Google Maps and, you know, our devices and so on. Um, and we've kind of become normalized to it, but I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. I think that per kind of personality, the individual, the person that's, you know, alive and breathing and being able to engage with you on social media and other platforms and, you know, um, interact with you at events and so on. Um, I think that's, that's the value of, of live radio, you know, that's, mm. but, you know, you wouldn't, you know, you could have a, a radio stream that has, you know, artificial intelligence kind of voiceovers and all that kind of stuff, you know, relatively easily if you if you wanted to do that. And you know, there would be an audience that would listen to those because it's you know the music or it's the content that they they want to listen to. But I think that, you know, on the live radio side, that kind of human interaction and personality and so on is still critically important. So I don't think that's are going to disappear anytime soon, but there are elements that can be kind of, you know, just automated, um, like traffic perhaps, um, but not really the depth uh, yeah. conversations yeah. or, you know, that kind of voice of the voiceless kind of thing. You know, having a, having a, a, a bot uh, speaking to you about being voiceless, I think is maybe the ultimate irony, right, Similarly, <laughs> <laughs> I think you're probably right. Uh, hang on a minute. Hey, Google, was that okay? Thank you, Muhammad. Brilliant. I will start on Monday. Brilliant. Um, similar, uh, robots are one thing, but technology is changing in other ways as well. Um, has the pandemic taught us that we don't need studios anymore and that we can actually do an awful lot of really good radio from our homes? Well, it has definitely forced an evolution and a shift um, ahead of its time, which I think was a good thing. It has shown us that there are a lot of things that we can achieve without being confined in one space. Um, and beyond the robots, it's mostly opened up the space. 
be with a guest through the forum we are, we are using right now, through Zoom. They don't have to travel uh, hundreds of miles just to come and join you. So for me, that was a huge opportunity that was opened up. Unfortunately, there's the issue of cost. You cannot set up a studio, a broadcast studio in every presenter's home. So uh, there are certain things that you still have to go uh, to the main studio to be able to achieve. Uh, on, on the opportunity of the of artificial intelligence that you just talked about, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty interesting. It, it is there, not yet over radio. But if you look at where we get most voiceovers from, uh, the people who voice, like the people who voice over the movies um, in Kenya, it's mostly ads, advertising. And sometimes you need different panelists, so you need different voiceovers, and the cost of that is pretty high. So uh, where is the opportunity of AI in that, in having to artificially manipulate uh, audio? News, uh, I believe we're at a point where people can record and curate their own voices and just feed the script. And in future, the the, uh, uh, the AI machinery will be able to broadcast that news for you. What does that mean in terms of talent? Does it mean that their jobs are threatened or that they don't have job security? Not at all. I think the opportunity now lies in not just presenting the news or presenting the content or presenting the traffic, but in putting it into context. Because the more more media is evolving and the more the audience is evolving, uh, uh, people cover things. They're not coming to, to get breaking news. By that, if it's really breaking news, it's already been trending on Twitter and everybody. They're coming to put it in, they're coming to see how does it relate to me. So that is the challenge and that is where the opportunity lies. Able to bring it directly into context. I think you're right, and you answered Kirsten's question uh, as she typed it. So uh, thank you for uh, doing that. One of the things that I've noticed here in uh, here in Australia has been that we've actually had a particular um, point where Brisbane hasn't been in lockdown, but Melbourne was. Um, but we still did the radio ratings, so we were able to actually check what works and what doesn't in in a lockdown. And what was most fascinating about that is that talk radio stations increased an awful lot in terms of people listening to them. Music radio stations went down because you can get music everywhere, but actually it's the talk which is a really important uh, part. Um, Mohammed, you have a beautiful complex in Santon. Will you still need it in five years? Why, why not just buy everybody a microphone and a laptop? James, the reality is that, you know, everyone or pretty much everyone at Prime Media Broadcasting currently is working from home. And, you know, last week we just bought uh, equipment for all of our EWN reporters because of the, the COVID uh, third wave in South Africa. So, you know, it's, it's not a dystopian reality that, you know, media organizations, maybe not completely, uh, you know, uh, non-office or no office or head office kind of setup at all. But, you know, probably a reduced need for kind of the big media complexes and so on. I, you know, on the studio discussion, I don't think we're going to end up with that model where you have completely home studios and so on. But I think that that kind of um, the cost base of especially people who are in the field and reporting from the field and so on, that don't necessarily come into the office for more than like 30 minutes a day or whatever before they go out. I think, you know, what what the, the COVID pandemic has done is it's forced us to innovate and think of new ways of doing things, new ways of, you know, workflowing our business. And uh, really that forced us, especially onto kind of uh, going for digital workflows where we could figure out who's doing what uh, over you know, over digital mediums and, and so on. And, and once you've done that and put all of that in place, then you, you, you're flying. But, you know, the issue of cost is there because with, with smaller organizations, you know, licenses are costly, equipment is costly. <coughs> um, you know, larger organizations would probably be first movers because they have the, you know, the, the revenue to be able to, to finance that and to, to buy that equipment and to set up the, the, the technology backbone to make it viable. Um, so I think that you'll see that um, that emerging 
over you know the next couple of years where uh, but you know on the flip side though you know the barrier to entry is so low for for broadcasters to broadcast out of their their garages and to be able to set up these streams um, so it's really going to be kind of you know interesting to see how things evolve over the next couple of years there's a brand new radio station in the UK, which is called Boom Radio, which you'll find online at boomradiouk.com, which also broadcasts as well. And that entire radio station has no studios, has no offices. Everyone is working from home, um, and uh, it's worked fantastically well uh, for them. Uh, well worth uh, a peek, and you'll find some uh, articles about that online, which will tell you exactly how they've ended up uh, doing that. We've got five minutes left, so let's ask one question from each of you. Uh, Justin first, what do you think is going to be the biggest change in radio in five years' time? Justin. I think for me it's going to be content classification and categorization as well as personalization. And I think AI is going to play its part. Um, uh, when I look into the future, I mean, we're just talking now um, very quickly about um, setting up hardware infrastructure, um, Amazon Web Services, um, basically launched here what almost two years ago in South Africa. Uh, with an Amazon Web Service, uh, you can set up a server in any, any, almost all around the world within five minutes and get it up and running. Windows uh, 365, not Office 365, Windows 365 is due to launch in um, August sometime this year. So essentially, you can connect to your desktop from any device and pick up exactly where you left off without shutting down or restarting your computer. Um, the speed at which networks are rolling out, we're all fascinated about 5G. Uh, 6G is on the cards and 6G is, is um, backed by artificial intelligence to speed it up almost 50 times the speed of um, 5G. They're busy working with white papers at the moment. In terms of peer-to-peer, um, on a wireless networking point of view, that, that router that sits in your house that you're connecting to or your office. Um, we're, uh, we're working on um, wireless 6, but 6E is here now. Um, so, I mean, we're talking about incredible speeds. In terms of the speakers you were talking about earlier, I mean, Amazon Echo have an auto smart speaker now that you can put on the dashboard of your car. Um, so, yeah, I think the pace at which things are going to move, but for me, content classification, categorization, and personalization through the use of AR. Emily, what do you think is going to be the biggest change in radio in five years? Uh, looking at the media age as our base, uh, the audience is becoming younger and younger. The attention span is becoming shorter and shorter. So if the person we are speaking to right now has an attention span of, say, a minute, that is going to even get shorter, which will put even more pressure on all stations, radio and otherwise, all media, to be able to provide value in an even shorter time span. Uh, the other thing will be visual radio, because the younger the demographic, the more visual they seem to be driven. Uh, so radio, just for the ear, is going to go with a certain demographic, and to recruit a, this new and fresh audience, uh, visual radio is going to be a huge thing. Uh, AI will still be integrated as a device, uh, as the cost of data goes down, as the uh, internet connectivity goes up. There's definitely going to be more people who can access content on multiple devices. So the winner and the, the biggest opportunity will lie on the houses that can integrate and collaborate best and get their content accessible at the palm of, of uh, everybody's hand, especially on mobile. Also collaboration. Collaboration and curation of content is going to be the biggest opportunity going forward. Because as I said earlier, people are not very uh, interested in the platform. They're just interested in the content. And as much as uh, moving from AM to, A to FM to digital radio has increased the reach, more people have access to media, it has also decreased the share of listening for the audience, which means more people uh, a lot of people, more people are competing for their attention. 
So the person listening to radio is also scrolling on their phone. There's good content on TikTok. There's good content on uh, on uh, uh, YouTube. So it is for media now to find a way to sift through the noise, curate that, repackage and serve it on the traditional medium that is radio. Similoy, thank you. And Mohammed, in 60 seconds, what's the biggest change in radio in five years' time? Um, yeah, so James, if we agree that the first uh, SMS was a telegram, then, you know, radio as invented by Nikolai Tesla in 1893 as wireless telegraphy will continue to have a use case, right? Radio people have a deep understanding of brands, of audiences, of content, and we have, you know, this huge opportunity to continue to, you know, innovate that use case based on the, the platforms and the devices and so on that people are now consuming audio on. So, you know, uh, engaging audiences, entertaining audiences, applying that to a much bigger kind of uh, uh, audience and, and uh, scale is really where we're heading in the next five years with, with the multi-platforms that Similoy has been talking about. Well, who knows what the future of radio is going to be, but please do join me in thanking our panel today, Similoy Mohammed and Justin. It's a great pleasure taking part in Radio Days Africa, and I look forward to meeting you all in person in the future. And that's the end of Radio Days Africa. It's been a fantastic two weeks. And for a look back at the last two weeks, here's a friendly face that I recognise um, I'm very much looking forward to hearing what he has to say. Here's Professor Franz Kruger, the head of WITS Journalism. Thanks so much, James. Um, and thanks for uh, a most interesting final session, final panel discussion. And thank you particularly for that moment um, where uh, Mohammed offered um, Google, the Google Assistant a slot on radio to start on Monday morning, but I'll leave it to Mohammed to break the news to Bungani, or whoever will have to move into the graveyard shift. But thanks, it's been a most interesting um, final panel. So many lines of discussion, so many ideas that I would love to take further. Um, there will be, there are obviously opportunities to take these discussions further in various on various platforms, and we look forward to that. It's been the twelfth edition of, of of Radio Days Africa. Um, the second time we did it virtually, it simply sped by. There have been so many uh, rich and interesting discussions. We've had, I think, 21 sessions. We've had something like 70 speakers, and I think we've had 3,000 attendees. Uh, we've had a number of new elements um, that we're pleased with. Um, there have been a, a new series of podcasts produced specifically for the conference, We've had the African Radio Hour, which went out on our partner station, Voice of Wits, and that you can listen back to um, on the Radio Days um, website. We've had uh, a Swahili session. Um, perhaps that's something that we will extend next year. Um, I also want to highlight and thank Roy Blumenthal. Um, I think you can see his notes there on um, under the hashtag RDA Sketchnoter, who gave us a kind of visual diary of what was said um, through the course of, of the two weeks. Uh, we've had um, an app that you could download and listen on and watch the, um, you know, watch the comments on. We've also had fringe sessions. And I do also want to mention particularly that I think for the first time we had animal involvement. We had a couple of dogs and cats who came in and out um, that added an element um, that we hadn't had before. I'm not going to try to summarize the last two weeks. Um, it's been too uh, complex, too rich, uh, too many things, as I said earlier. The theme we set out with was audio amplified, and I think the truth of um, that theme was really richly demonstrated in so many contexts. Um, radio finds itself a new, new audio landscape, and I think this final panel particularly uh, engaged with that. Um, and there are new competitors, there are new opportunities uh, for radio people. You can see it as a threat or not as an opportunity. Um, but I do think that um, the point that was made just a moment, few moments ago is that, you know, radio people bring to the table knowledge of how audience works, how people use it, how, people, how it fits into people's lives. And that um, is a really good head start 
to engage on this new landscape. Audio, as, as I said two weeks ago, I think is the new black. Hopefully Radio Days Africa has amplified audio um, uh, and radio in strong ways, in useful ways across the continent. I don't want to end without mentioning um, one area where radio over the last week uh, was not amplified. We were very sad to note that in the, in the violence that gripped South Africa over the last seven days or so, several community stations were pulled off, were looted um, and were unable to broadcast. Alex uh, FM, MAMS FM in Mamelodi, in Tukosa FM in, in KZN, KwaZulu-Natal, um, and here in Kajiso. Um, I'm glad to note that there, have been, there are efforts now to assist them to get back on air, particularly Alex has had strong assistance from various quarters. And if any of any people on the last session here listening and um, have an opportunity or a desire to get involved in helping these stations, please do get in touch with us and we'll make those connections. Thanks to everyone who's been involved, the Konrad Adenauer Stiftung's media program um, for Sub-Saharan Africa has been a long-standing supporter and without them we really couldn't pull it off. Also thanks to Iono FM, RCS, Media Heads 360, Pod News, Wise Buddha, the US Embassy in Pretoria and SAMRO, um, as well as our long-standing partner in this, the National Association of Broadcasters. I need very finally just to say thanks to the team that put it, pulled it all together, led by Conference Director Tim Zunkel and including Henel Oosterhuizen, Frank Schulze, Noni Kumalo, Konrad Schwellness, Roy Blumenthal, the sketch artist, Pia Miller, and Jacob Mchangasi, who's the new head of the Witz Radio Academy. We could not have done this without you. So that's a wrap. See you next year. That was a Radio Days Africa audio amplified podcast brought to you by the Witz Radio Academy. For more information and podcasts, click to radiodaysafrica.co.za.